Welcome, everybody, to the very first episode of the Imperial Wrestling Podcast, otherwise known as the IWP. This is going to be an extremely exciting episode, and I am absolutely thrilled to be your host. My name is Kevin, and I'm going to be talking to you today in a very elaborate discussion about the comparison of the most famous potentially the most famous four-man squad perhaps some may consider them the pioneer four-man squad in all of professional wrestling known as the four horsemen now the dynamic here before we compare the horsemen of course to a modern group of four guys what just so happens to be the undisputed era Getting back to the horsemen's reference is we have to keep in mind that the four horsemen have changed several times throughout their course of being, whereas the undisputed era has really started with three members and they inherited a fourth member, um, making the group officially a four-man squad. So before we get further into our podcast, I want to make sure we take a moment and thank our sponsors. Uh, Today's sponsor has been very gracious to our program. It is Crashco Collision Centers of Northwest Indiana. You ever have an accident, perhaps a fender bender, got rear-ended on the way to work? Trust me, it happens to the best of us. The most difficult thing about an accident is that it's inconvenient. Who wants to be in an accident, really? Who wants to call their insurance company or the other insurance company? Who wants to get a rental car? Who wants to go through all that? Nobody wants to go through any of that. So what do you do? You could call your insurance company. They'll probably recommend CrashGo anyway. They have a convenient enterprise rental car right on their location. or. You can just call Crashco yourself. They have over a decade in claims handling experience. They'll probably walk you through the process anyway. So perhaps maybe being in an accident is not necessarily a bad thing. Just remember this name, Crashco Collision Centers. You can find them online. They have impeccable reviews. Their service is outstanding. They work with all the top premier insurance companies. They are on top of their craft. If you're a wrestling fan, they are the heavyweight champion of collision repair. So don't mess around. Get your stuff in order. Get your damaged car over to Crashco. Get into a brand new rental car and just get your life back on the road. When the car's done, Crashco Collision Centers will call you, email you, text you, However you want to be reached to, they'll do it. They'll let you know when it's ready, the car will be done right, it'll most likely be done on time, and if there are any issues, just like you unexpected the accident, there are any unexpected things that may happen during the repair, a friendly staff member of Crashco Collision Centers will reach out to you. So without any further ado, Let's get started with our very Welcome first everybody episode. To the very first episode 
of the Imperial Wrestling Podcast, otherwise known as the IWP. This is going to be an extremely exciting episode, and I am absolutely thrilled to be your host. My name is Kevin, and I'm going to be talking to you today in a... Welcome back, everybody. Let's get right into today's topic. We are talking about the four horsemen and how they compare and contrast to the NXT's undisputed era. I have to tell you that Ric Flair, without a doubt, at least to me, has to be arguably one of the greatest ever to step through the ropes into the square circle. The guy has left a legacy of championship wins against very recognizable, identifiable, prime, classic, elite wrestlers in his time in the ring. He has faced, in other words, some of the best ever to be considered a professional wrestler. He has wrestled against them. He has probably the best interviewing skills still to this day, in my humble opinion, to this day, the things that he said, the things that he did, the things that people still remember about the Nature Boy Ric Flair, those to be quite frank, that in itself is undisputed. But we're talking about the Four Horsemen. You see, Ric Flair started these uh, gathering, if you will, and organized four guys together. So when I look at the Undisputed Era, I immediately think of Adam Cole. Okay, what I like about Adam Cole, really, think about this. He started in ROH. Ring of Honor. In his era and his time in the ROH, we had formations of all kinds of things. Obviously, we know about the Bullet Club and what they represented. The Bullet Club is wicked cool. To me, the Bullet Club is more like an NWO type of thing. So that's a totally different, an entirely different conversation. We know Adam Cole was part of that group. But what I like about Adam Cole is he's a bona fide wrestler. He has fundamental moves. He has phenomenal interviewing skills. He's got the look and charisma. He makes a great leader for the Undisputed Era. Now, sometimes when the wrestlers leave, or when wrestlers leave, one league and enter another, especially when you get to the caliber, such as the WWE. In this case, I know it's the NXT. But in my opinion, I'm a pound for pound, move for move, technique for technique. I'm a wrestling fan based on the crap and the art that happens between the ropes. I'm not a total fanatic of what happens beyond the ring. My focus is on what happens in the wrestling ring. When you watch a game of football, you want to see what those players do on the turf. What they do between sideline to sideline, end zone to end zone in that stadium. 
what they do on the field is really what transcends to the memory of what they did as a player. That's how they are remembered. For me, what happens between the ropes, between the posts, between the turnbuckles, on the mat, to me, that is the single most important thing. Now, obviously, there's adjectives. There are other things that glorify it. There are other things that encompass the making of a professional wrestler. No question about it. You have to have a good gimmick. You have to have a rememberable character. You have to have all those nuances that make you stick and make you stand out in the abundance of professional wrestlers that are out there. So getting back on track, we were talking about what happens. What happens in the ring? So Adam Cole, he transcends from ROH and becomes a premier superstar premier superstar in the NXT. Okay, now we know that uh, the NXT championship title was forfeited. It was put back up, it was handed down, and it was surrendered, perhaps, before Daddy came home. Again, that's another conversation. We all know, we all know it happened. We all know about the feud with Johnny Gargano. It's a whole nother topic. Right now, right here, in this brief half hour segment that I have with you, we are talking about Adam Cole. He has held the North American Championship, which I gotta tell you, I think that's the coolest title belt that you can win in terms of look. The cosmetic design and the whole style of the North American NXT Championship title. I'm sorry. Even the color of the leather that the belt is made out of is cool. It's a cool belt. Um, I think that's a really neat title in terms of its look. I think that WWE did a great job designing the United States Championship for the NXT. Um, It's a cool belt. So Adam Cole wins the championship. He holds on to that. And then he moves on and he wins the champion championship, the heavyweight championship. He becomes the guy of NXT. And he's had a phenomenal title range. I mean, you can challenge it. You can say what you want. But pound for pound, he's wrestled some great athletes. He's been in the ring with the elite of the NXT. And as far as I'm concerned, the NXT is the purest form of wrestling that the WWE offered. I, growing up as a WWF fan, moving on to the WWE, and my childhood day, look, I would never, ever, ever challenge anybody that the WWF did not offer a great product. But they did evolve with the SmackDown and the Raw thing, and it's become more of a grown-up soap opera. The storylines have really become the essence of the WWE. But what's so pure and beautiful as a wrestling fan about the NXT is they wrestle. And they wrestle at a high elite platinum premier level. You are getting a quality product. When you watch a Wednesday night show, whether it be AEW or the NXT, as a wrestling fan right now, this is like a resurgent. This is a big, fresh breath of air. We are seeing genuine, authentic wrestling where guys actually have the art and the skill sets to make wrestling fun again. So 
as a wrestling fan that has watched wrestling for over 30 years, that excites me. The fact that we are getting a wrestling product and not a soap opera product, that's exciting. The fact that these guys are ripped and cut and are in phenomenal shape and they go through this intense training in Orlando at the NXC Training Center, that is really cool. Um, So you can say what you want about the NXT. In my opinion, you can challenge me. I'm open. I love a debate. I love a healthy discussion. That's what this is about. The NXT is the premier product. So, again, now this may sound controversial. Adam Cole, champion, has held multiple titles, leader of the Undisputed Era. It's fitting. This guy is the guy right now in the NXT. Does it mean he's the absolute best to be all end all? No. But let's look at what Ric Flair did in the NWA days and the WCW days. Again, this is just hearsay. I thought the wrestling in the late 80s, early 90s was better in terms of athleticism and in between the ropes. Keep in mind, I'm using a key word, between the ropes. The WWE was more of an entertainment value. It was beyond the ropes, which means their scope was broader. They were looking at a collective audience and very, very unique ways, exciting ways of entertaining value, not just in the ring, but beyond the ring. That's what the WWE did. And you can question that. They brought in Liberace, they had Mike Tyson, they had uh, all these boxing greats, they had Ali in one. I mean, you can name it. They had Mr. T, uh, Cindy Lauper. They were bringing in pop icons. So what was going on beyond the ropes was also bringing in value to the WWE. When you look at the NWA and the WCW, the product between the ropes, again, inside the ropes, was phenomenal. Watching Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes, those were phenomenal matches. Those who remember the Chi-Town Rumble with Ricky Steamboat versus Ric Flair, that was a phenomenal match. This was some of the absolute best wrestling I ever seen. It was exciting. The athleticism and the technical skill set that these guys had in the ring using wrestling moves was awesome. It was unbelievable. So Ric Flair in his heyday, obviously winning the championship gold, the 10 pounds of gold, if you will. Ric Flair was a premier guy running a premier group known as the Four Horsemen. So Ric Flair with his charm, his looks, his persona, He was a great leader for a group such as the Four Horsemen. I think Adam Cole was a great leader for what he puts together in the Undisputed Era. They were fun. They are fun. Adam Cole is fun. Ric Flair was the guy. I can't tell you how many times I was shaving in the mirror and I would go, Woo! Because you had to do it. It was a feel-good thing. That's what was iconic about Ric Flair. 
To be the man, you have to beat the man. You wanted to be like him. It's no different than in the NBA with somebody that loved Michael Jordan. You couldn't just go outside and shoot horse. You'd have to run and do a layup with your tongue hanging out. You'd have to be Air Jordan. You couldn't just play basketball anymore just to play basketball. You had to emulate the game like Michael played it, okay? So when you got in a conversation that involved a little bit of testosterone, you had to put a step in it like Ric Flair. That's the type of impact that Ric Flair had without having the awe of the budgeting and the exposure that the WWE had. He did that in the shadow, in the shadow of darkness, in the small scope, in his little cut of the WCW and the NWA. Ric Flair was a rock star. He was everywhere. It wasn't until later, I mean, I'm talking late in his career, where he started wrestling in the WWE or WWF. You think about that. His whole career was based on wrestling, pure wrestling, authentic wrestling. The guy was great. Nobody made the figure four as famous as Ric Flair. Nobody made the chops across the chest as famous as Ric Flair did. Nobody, the strut, the face first fall. Nobody did these things like he did. And then once he did it, everybody tried to copy that in some way, in some form. So my passion on Ric Flair literally, literally is as strong as it can get. So making him the leader of the Four Horsemen or him being the leader of the Four Horsemen makes sense. But let's pick apart some of the dynamics here of the Undisputed Era. The NXT is today's WCW. It is today's NWA. It is today, arguably, the most technical wrestling you can watch. I don't care if you're an AEW fan, ROH fan, Major League Wrestling fan, uh, fan of the independent scene, whatever you are, you are. But you have to at least acknowledge in terms of wrestling, mainstream wrestling, the NXT is it, especially in the scope of the WWE. It's wrestling, it's fun. It's awesome to watch. It's really what's invigorated me to return as a fan, as a religious fan, to watch wrestling again. I have to be brutally honest. If the NXT didn't evolve to what it is today, I don't even know if I'd be recording this podcast right now. That's the type of impact the NXT has. So when you get guys like the Undisputed Era and the leader such as Adam Cole, who brings that throwback element into this, yeah, you better believe it's got my attention. A guy that comes to the ring and the entire crowd says, baby, Adam Cole, baby, and boom, yeah, it's simplicity, but it's working and it's capturing audiences, young and old and everything in between. 
I love that about Adam Cole and his representation of the Undisputed Era. So let's start looking at some of the other guys here. So the original Four Horsemen, we know it changed. We had guys like Lex Luger and Sting and Barry Windham. Some of these guys sort of changed the identity of the Four Horsemen. No question about it. That identity was rendered, the landscape changed, the look of the Four Horsemen evolved. But let's go to the roots here. I'm talking the beginning of the Horsemen. When those guys came out, throwing those four fingers in the air, and you heard the woos, and you knew about the million dollar watches, and leather skin shoes, and the robe, and all that stuff. You also knew the four horsemen, they wanted to be the best four guys in their league, arguably. So we have Ole Anderson, and Arn Anderson. So we got the Anderson brother. So I look at both of them, really, in unique ways. Okay, because they were technical wrestlers. They didn't really have like this massive um, character about them. They didn't have this aura of like, you know, like the ultimate warrior or some famous elite wrestler. They, they're just wrestlers, but they're darn good ones. They're very simple. They just had tights. They weren't flamboyant. But when they were wrestling... Man, they were fun to watch. Arn Anderson sidewalk slam? I'm sorry. That's like equivalent in the most quiet possible way as an RKO by Randy Orton. Arn Anderson sidewalk slam. I don't know what it was, what was in it, how it made their mat slam as loud as it did. But if you watch Arn Anderson deliver and perfectly executed sidewalk slam, you would want to run out your front door and start running around your house. It was like watching Michael Jordan hit a game-winning three-pointer with one second or something left on the clock. You know what I'm talking about here if you're a real wrestling fan for the technical attributes of wrestling. When Arn Anderson would put someone off the ropes or ricochet them off the turnbuckle, pick them up, and execute a sidewalk slam, it's lights out. That was freaking cool. And I didn't even know what his gimmick was. I think I knew his move more than I knew who he was, just because he did it so well. That's the essence of the Four Horsemen, was execution. Uh, when you did a move, you did it right. If you did something, you did it as best as you possibly could. And it resonated with the audience. I'm, I'm telling you, I just did a whole segment on a sidewalk slam by Arn Anderson. I think I'd said more than he said his whole career just on how he executes. The guy was very quiet. He said something that's always to the point. I don't know if Ole Anderson ever even said anything. He was very quiet. Ric Flair talked most of the time. And that's sort of reminiscent of what happens now with the Undisputed Era. I mean, when O'Reilly or Fish... I mean, when they say something, I don't really know what they just said. But when Adam Cole speaks, I'm ready to, like, write a documentary. He delivers a message, and it gets to the point. Like, it's exciting to hear the guy talk. He could talk about, I don't know, anything, Q-tips, and it would be cool. Because he's Adam Cole, baby. Boom! So, what I'm saying here is, let's go now to the Undisputed. We talked about Fish 
and O'Reilly. You know, their gimmicks are not like flamboyant. They're kind of like Ole and uh, Arn. You know, they're they're simple guys. But man, they're awesome wrestlers. Nobody does moves as clean and as perfectly executed as Fish. I mean, I watched him in the ROH. I watched. I followed the guy's career. He's had some unfortunate injuries, but he is an excellent executor. He's very good at what he does. The craft again. I'm talking between the ropes, not outside the ring, not outside with interviewing skill, not ripping T-shirts off, stuff like that. They're not the best at that. I'll be the first to say that. That's where Adam Cole shined with the Undisputed Era. He is good at that. But Fish and O'Reilly in the ring, their tag team skills are phenomenal. And you saw that when they were the tag team champions. They were fun to watch. I didn't really care what they said. I just wanted to see what they do and how they did it and the way they brought it to the ring. They were an exciting tag team to watch. If you enjoy the technicality, pound for pound, delivering, executing, and driving in clean, thorough, well-done wrestling moves. That's what they bring. That's what those guys bring. So that's an element, if you don't understand between the rope wrestling, you may not understand Fish and O'Reilly, okay? And that's sort of what happened with fans with like that were watching Arn Anderson and Ole Anderson. They were great wrestlers. But if you ask them how the match went after the match, or maybe leading up to the match, their interviewing was terrible. I mean, it was nothing captivating about that. There was no glow to them whatsoever. But what they did in the ring was awesome. The other issue I have in making this comparison is I wanted to bring up like Dean Malenko. I mean, the dude was a master of move at the end of the Four Horsemen's tenure, no question about it. Chris Benoit even was one of the guys in the Horsemen's stable. I mean, but once you get into that caliber of talent, that's game-changing. I have to keep the topic on hand with the original Horseman. So we have Tully Brancher. Tully was awesome. The dude was awesome. What I liked about him is he was like that cocky kid in school. Like, you knew he was tough, but he wasn't really big. You knew he was strong, but he didn't look massive. You knew he was dangerous, so you just kind of had like that weird, like wits about him. Like you knew, hey, don't cross any lines with Tully Branchard because he he's gonna bring it. And you know what he did? In terms, again, he was a total master of deliverance in terms of how he applied and did wrestling moves. His application was incredible. His application of maneuvers was ridiculous. Like, in terms of technical moves, you already have Ole and Arn Anderson. And then you have Nick, you know, you got Ric Flair. Good Goodness gracious. Like, if you really dissect them, that was an awesome stable in terms of fundamental wrestling. And then you had this flamboyant personality in Ric Flair. No wonder why everyone liked the Four Horsemen. So, in contrast, and comparing, let's go back over to today. We're talking about the NXT's Undisputed Era. Well, Strong, Roderick Strong, he is Tully Branchard. They're the same guy. 
like they don't have this, again, this massive, huge ego about them. Their personality isn't like through the roof. They're actually pretty simple guys. Their attire is very similar. Uh, the way they approach the ring is very similar. They're a lot of energy. They're hot-headed. But these guys are very similar. Strong and Blanchard, they are very similar. Very similar wrestler. And I have to tell you, I was not a huge Strong fan when he was in ROH and some of his independent scene. I liked him, but I couldn't do it. You know, there's something there. Just couldn't get, you know, I don't know what it was. You know, I know I know we all have that. You know, we all have this like, yeah, I know the guy's popular. I know he's a good wrestler. Just, you know, he's really not my guy. And, and that's okay. But what you have to acknowledge about Strong, that backbreaker and the way he attacks one body part and truly sticks to it, that is a lost craft today. We don't see that. We see guys doing power bomb, then a drop kick, and then a headlock, and then somehow it does a DDT, and then somehow they throw the guy on the floor and they jump over the rope. Like, there's no like rhyme or methodical reasoning to their offensive attacks. You take strong, he goes after a body part. That's exactly what the horseman did. It's exactly what Tully Blanchard did. They would take a body part, pound for pound, pick at it, and that's what they would use either for a submission or ultimately what would give them the win, whether it be a pinfall, however, is because that part of their opponent's body was so beat up, was so torn apart, that you knew, you knew that that's how the match may end. That didn't always happen. There's always that sneaky small package that comes in or something like that. But in this case, what we're talking about here is a compare and contrast. Blanchard and Strong are similar. So, like, this unknown, and I don't really think it was just planned DNA of any kind, but this array of similarities, to me as an old-school wrestling fan, yeah, it makes me excited. Like, the NXT got it right with these four guys. And to think that, like, Strong was not going to be one of the members, I, you know, we all knew Fish and O'Reilly and, and uh, Adam Cole. Those three guys were like a brotherhood. And I was worried about the dynamic of Adam Strong. I thought that may, like, actually hurt the Undisputed Era. Like, I, I didn't see him fitting in, if you will. It, it'd be sort of like when you vacuum the carpet at home and all the lines are perfect, and then there's like that one section in the middle of the living room that, oh man, I didn't quite vacuum that right. And, and that's what I thought Strong was going to be to the Undisputed Era. Like, yeah, he's a good wrestler, and, you know, he kind of fits their vision, blah, 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 blah. But really, I, I, don't, I don't see that working. Uh, when uh, Fish went out with his injury, and it was O'Reilly and Strong, you can challenge me, but I think they were actually better than Fish and O'Reilly. <laughs> and, and that is when I realized that Strong did, in fact, and does, in fact, deserve to be a member. And when he won the North American Championship, I thought he represented that title great. In terms of what a wrestler looks like today, when an NXT 
wrestler looks like today. And the type of skill sets that are being cultivated in the ring at NXT. Strong fit, the identity, and the role, and his character perfectly. And that's what makes him undisputed, if you will, within the realm of his sidekicks in the Undisputed Era. So, that comparison to me was very natural with the Four Horsemen in the Undisputed Era. And the reason I bring this up is, like I said several times during my podcast, growing up in wrestling, with wrestling, in the 1980s, and loving all of wrestling, not just the WWF at that time, I loved everything. I loved the WCCW, the NWA, the AWA, um, you name it. I even liked GWF. There were so many neat things that were starting to expand in that era. Wrestling and cable television was really erupting. So the fact that the Four Horsemen planted those seeds... And it's tough to beat a legacy. You know that. I know that. It's tough to beat a legacy. But when you look at the Undisputed Era and the legacy that the NXT is already setting, and then you get Cole, you get Fish, O'Reilly, and Strong, you truly do have something, and no fun intended, you do have something that's undisputed. The Undisputed Era fits very well with the makeup of today's wrestling fan. They're loved. Whether they're a heel or a babyface, people love them. Whether they're good or bad, people like them. They can do terrible things in the ring and the fans love it. It's amazing how dynamic they really are. So with that said, thank you for listening to the comparison Thank you for listening to my thoughts. Please email me at imperialwrestlingpodcast at gmail.com. Share your thoughts. Elaborate on your thinking. And point out some things that I may have missed out. But nonetheless, thank you for listening tonight. And to this first episode of Step Into the Ring, Imperial Wrestling Podcast. Good night.